We'll make sure. Nice. I'm going to start posting. You're loud. Hello. Oh, and breathy. How about now? Much, much better. There we go. Okay. I'm breathy, Mr. President. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Welcome, chatters. Uh, I need my... I want my MTV. I want my... See the little... With a earring and the makeup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy, that's his own hair. Can you believe they... Sometimes it's funny to wait to see which version of the song somebody's going to be playing. Yeah, well... It wasn't very PC back in the day. Oh. Oh, just try to watch... Uh, there's a, there's several movies like that, but my favorite is a deleted scene in Back to the Future, where uh, Marty is talking about how he's worried about going on the date with his mom, mm-hmm. and he says to Doc, "You know, I think you know. Do you think this is going to make me gay?" And then Doc says, "Why shouldn't you be happy?" Yeah, that's pretty good. That's right. <clears throat> um, I asked my wife how many shows in a row we've done, and then she said sixty nine. 69 shows in a row. Yeah, we haven't. It's just a joke. So. 69. Filling up this. I think we're on number 30 this ep- this season. You're oh, yeah. doing an awesome show. Yes, I'm opening my my giant beer for the night is the Bud Light Chalada. What you got? <laughs> I, had, I had some cocktails before the show, so I'm drinking San Pellegrino. Smart. It's a red beer. Because I was... <clears throat> It's quickly catching up with me, and I do not need to be falling asleep on any shows. I think tonight's okay. <clears throat> yeah, well. You just relax. Someone's got to shut this thing down once in a while. I know that'll be weird if we ever can't shut the show down. <laughs> yeah, we'll we, just we, wait till the next morning. <laughs> we should hire a producer. That way, if any of the talent goes to sleep... <laughs> I got it. got to get, get the cattle, remote cattle prod. We don't have to worry about it. Oh, I haven't even looked at the show notes for this week. Oh, they're they're most excellent, I assure you. Do we have any phone calls in the hopper? Uh, I don't know. I did put out a call for for calls. Okay. A cattle call for calls? I don't know if anybody called. Well, let me, I'm just going to do a quick check here. Hey. hey, chatters. It's good to see you. Who's in the chat? We got, of course, Mr. Peabody. Yeah, we got a couple of Chris's in there. Casey. Uh-huh. Brian Armitage. KC and the Sunshine Band. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Hey, Brian, I hope you did well on the boards today. It's good to see you in the chat. Ah, the boards. Joe Drosen. Hello, Joe. Brad Holman. Brad Holman. We got a whole slew of people in here. Hello and welcome. There's some good stuff. I love your shirt, by the way, Uh, Billy. Yours? Uh, VI? Like uh, the editor? No, it's Vibranium. It's, It's how... It's a Marvel Universe thing. Oh yes, quite right. Mm-hmm. Such like Black Panther, the whole their whole their whole island or whatever it is, uh, has a, a great store of vibranium. Huh? Is the shirt made of vibranium? No, it's just an advertisement. My chair is made of vibranium. <laughs> My <Whoa>. butt. <laughs> oh, that, that that requires this. Yeah. Oh, oh he, he learned him how to do that, too. This is good. This show is going to be really good. 
until we get to the interview part, and then it's going to suck. <laughs> right? Actually, yeah. well, I have a ton Let's of stuff to talk other. about. I guess, I guess if you're doing the Scotty thing and setting the bar really low and you're going to bring it up, that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's going to take eight hours, Captain, and then... <laughs> but I'll do it in two. <laughs> oh. Hey, I brought some uh, prizes for what's in the juke tonight, too, if you want. All right. That sounds good. We'll let you oh. do the prizes this week. They'll probably get there faster than the ones that I'm sending. Well, you're going to mail them, though, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I tell you what. It's it's one of those things. I'm I'm two episodes behind on editing now, too, which I'm trying to stay on top of that. But... Uh, Tomorrow I actually took the day off, and that means I can catch up on stuff like mailing ch- crap out to people. Ch-crap. Uh, I wish I could take the day off. I'd go to Home Depot. Yeah? What would you yeah. do at Home Depot? I'd buy a bunch of... Oh, I found last week's. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I wonder if I could make a voice like that. Hey, I Nope. Not even close. <laughs> it was it was pretty good. We should play that again. Okay. Uh, how about we? I'm just. Uh, I'm gonna hit it. Why not? All right. <laughs> Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is Arcade Radio. Hello, Commander. Computer reporting. Intruder alert! Intruder alert! That's what that's what we gotta do, right? Boom shakalakalaka boom. Boom shakalakalaka boom shakalakalaka. Hello and thanks for listening in from the Arcadosphere. This is season four, episode thirty of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today's Thursday, july twenty third, twenty twenty. And the time is now approximately 7.23 p.m. Central. I am your host, Adam Silverstone. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything Shields and tonight. The esteemed guest host of the Arcade Radio Podcast is curator and crazy coin-op eccentrist, Mr. Billy Seven. Billy, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me. This is pretty awesome. I, uh... Don't okay now everyone you shh, shh, don't tell Brian I'm here. I snuck <laughs> into the shot and he doesn't know it. And I'm hoping he's not coming back right now. He's in the chat. If anyone sees him on like them social media's interwebs or whatever, and you see him tracking him this way on your what's that Waze or whatever, tell me because I gotta get the hell out of here then. He he's in the chat. He's watching you right now. <laughs> right, right. From- from it from his jail cell. Wait, from, no what? 
Oh, yes. Well, you know, uh, joining us tonight, Mount St. Helens erupted here. The Empire Strikes yes. Back was released there. Pac-Man debuted there. U.S. Embassy hostages in Tehran were held there. What's joining us, you ask? It's the year 1980. Yeah! Oh, that'll be a fun show. I love 1980. Yeah, I, I remember it well. Me too, I was... Fifth grade. I was in an age... I was in an age... Uh, Xenon came out that year. Well, the Xenon, just today, from eBay, I got the black line screens for the plastic artwork. For Xenon? Yep. Mm. Oh. You know, somebody's been selling, uh, Paul, is it Paul Ferris? Is, is that his name? Paul Ferris did the art. Yeah. Uh, James Laughlin, who is Circus Maximus, Pinball Inc., mm-hmm. and some other stuff, who's trying to do the Python's Pinball Circus. Occasionally, uh, he bought out the paperwork archives, I believe, from Gene for Valley wow. uh, Midway. So he's been selling stuff from that Treasure Trove on and off. Lots of pencil drawings for, you know, Pac-Man. Tron, all those classic games you could, uh, if you were in the right place at the right time, some of them were full-size renderings of cabinets. They'd spec out, you know, what that uh, wood grain was they put on their cabinets and stuff. Mm-hmm. All kinds of cool stuff. That's cool. Mm. Hey, by the way, we still have another commercial on this show. Uh, this show is brought to you by Old School Gamer Magazine. Uh, you can nice. find them at oldschoolgamermagazine.com. And what have you been working on? Let's start with Mark. Hey guys. hey, guys. I bought that Sprint 2 based on the conversation I had last week. And it's funny. I spent – I got it for 500 and I have to drive to Louisiana to get it, which is fine by me because I'm – it turns out after taxes, I get to, like, write off half of my truck. So that's exciting. Nice. Yes. And I just actually realized I'm buying, like, this Bill & Ted phone booth from this uh, company that makes office, office booths for mm-hmm. – you know, privacy. Mm-hmm. And I realized I can freaking write that off too. That's office equipment. I'm super excited. <laughs> they, they, they emailed you, me and said they were going to start shipping it. What's that? Didn't you say last week you paid the wrong credit card off? Wasn't that the phone line? I did. And uh, Chase reversed the charge and then moved the money to the correct account. Oh. That was so awesome. And then they even sent me an email that said, hey, I don't know why we did this, but here's a credit. And I'm like, all right. It's That's not as good cool. as that one time that... Um, Somebody paid me for my DeLorean stuff, and then they didn't recognize the charge and then called Amex and then backed it out, and then I was, like, totally screwed because you know how PayPal is. Mm-hmm. And and so PayPal was like, oh, we feel sorry for you, so we'll temporarily credit your account. And then they forgot about it for, like, four months. So I was, like, you know, partying high on their, their, their free money for four months, and then they figured it out, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I guess you can have it back. Okay, back back to me. <clears throat> um, Steve. Okay, so Steve Taki also, by the way, m- messaged me after that sprint too, and he said, "Hey, I have three sprint twos. Why didn't you buy it for me?" And now I feel bad, but that's okay. Um, I did get rid of four thousand pounds of stepping stones, and that was fun because uh, once I put them all outside, you know, you get to pick. Okay, so what's what's the avenue of communication I'm going to put out where people are going to come to my house and take all this shit away? And it turned out next door, everything got, got taken away in 17 minutes, and there were people outside like, are you sure you're going to take all that? And then they had to like negotiate between each other. And I was like, I was on my wall on a ladder like watching them negotiate, and I never went outside the whole time. It was good times. Good times. Good times and rock and roll. Um Anyway, I have been working on arcade stuff, though. I've been 
uh, I have this Back to the Future 85 preparation. This is a project where they chopped up the movie like into 88 little scenes or something like that. And uh, people pick like a you know a portion of the movie and then they recreate it with their own stuff. So I have been making things like this, where you're like, well, when I hit my head, I, I drew this. Like oh, that. that's funny. All right. right. And then I have to write a letter when I'm in the, um, when I'm in the cafe to mm. tell Doc about what bad stuff's going to happen, and then I'm going to put it into this envelope, so that'll be fine. <laughs> Don't open it until 1985. I had to print, I had print so many of these, I, I accidentally hit 10 instead of 1. So now I have a ton of these. <laughs> That's like me. I've been them on eBay. I've been sorting all of my elect- electronic components, and I keep hitting the print button twice on the labeler, which is great because then I have like you know seventy four LS three sixty eight printed twice or. What something. are you using a labeler like this? I uh, well, I have three labelers, but they're all oh. Dynamos or Dymos. Yeah, that, that, this is the first label I ever bought. Out. Adam, you're not using the classic one, the plastic, where you punch it in the letters? I have one of those, but the uh, the media for them is difficult to find. And when you do find it, it doesn't stick. So I actually have one, and I labeled a bunch of stuff, and about a week later, all the labels fell off. It's pretty annoying. A little rubber cement. Yeah, exactly. Nothing like taking forever to label your stuff. Um, it was pretty fun. Well, so that's what I'm up to. That's awesome. Uh should I go next? Absolutely. Yeah. What you doing? Man, I've been so busy the last week. Um, so first of all, uh, I am no longer in the Tubin Club, sad to say. You know, remember, was, you used to have two Tubins, and I had one Tubin, and Brian had none Tubins. Well, now I have a Tubin. Uh, wait, no. Brian, Brian has a Tubin. I... Uh. I traded my Tubin for a jungle hunt. So now I'm in the Tato Club. And I'm in the Tato Club times two because I also last weekend picked up a Space Invaders 1977 original uh, Space Invaders. Uh, <clears throat> it turns out that the jungle hunt's power supply is not working. Uh, and, and Brian had a bunch made, and there's some flaws with the design. Oops. So I don't know if, Billy, you, you heard about that. Yeah, they were going to have one for me uh, to show on the show, but uh, Sam's over there working on them right now. Yeah, and and there's, yeah, so I think Brian's going to have to reorder them or they're going to have to wire them differently. I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, the power supply in Jungle Hunt is rather complicated. Yes. I guess it has an, uh, an amperage adjustment as well as voltage adjustment. Um, I, I'm not really afraid of linear power supplies anymore. I, I tend to want to rebuild the original stuff um, these days because, I, I mean, I don't mind PC, you know, like putting in an ATX power supply or, you know, a switching power supply. Uh, they're reliable. But I, I've, I really enjoy getting the old things working. And, you know, so, for instance, Space Invaders was glitching out like, you know, all hell. And uh, I rebuilt the um, the power supply in that and finished it today. And I've got a solid 12, minus 5, and plus 5. And that thing runs solid as a rock now, except for the monitor keeps fading out every 5 minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I guess on the front of the Space Invaders, if you open up the coin door, 
not the there's not like a signal cable. It's a it's a, like a Molex connector. What? Yeah, what? There, here's a Molex connector and it has the power and the signals in the same connector. Oh, that's crazy times. Yeah, and it's it just needs to be redone. It's bad. So that's the next thing. Um, Super Strike Bowling. I got that home. <gasps> Super Striking. Yeah, it is so cool. Except for uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> not really, you know, showstoppers entirely, but there was a bunch wrong with it. You know that little apron in the back that, that uh, stops the ball from hitting the back of the machine? Right, yeah. Uh, well, mine was cracked in the middle and, tor- and torn a little. And I happen to have some material that I bought that I was going to use to put on the APB seat that is the exact same ribbing. It's a little thinner. So I took two pieces and put it back to back and then put that in the back. So I have a brand new uh, apron for ball stopper in the back. Ribbing for her pleasure. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, the battery uh, was was dead. Okay. Uh, so every time you start up the machine, you have to change the settings and allow it to take coins, which is really annoying. Oh, did you get both your coin max working? Or yep, they they weren't broken. It was all part of the symptomatic problem of of the ball not being recognized oh. and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, I, both coin max are working now. Um, but the biggest thing was, and Mark, you you just got another super strike recently. I did, and it probably has the exact issue you're having. So uh, when wow. you turn when you turn it on and the um, and the gray and black wire is hooked up inside there, it fires the solenoid over and over again, which is the little it has a little door that comes down and stops the cue ball from being presented to you. And if you've never played Super Strike Bowling, it's really cool. You put in the quarter, it uh, you select your game, uh, brings up the uh, first four frames of bowling, and then it releases the ball. And, and so there's a solenoid that holds the ball on the machine until it's time to play. Uh, as soon as you r- releases it, then you can go ahead and, and roll your first ball. And then uh, it holds the ball until this, uh, it tallies your first roll and then releases it again for your second roll. It's like, just like a bowling alley. It's kind of fun. Uh, problem is, is that there is a little chip on the optical board. It's an, um, a 74LS368. Uh, and if it gets stuck, or if it if it burns out, if that chip just dies, the solenoid will repeat, just fire over and over again. So you go, and I'm like, oh, and it will never release the ball. So um, it just kind of pretends to release it, and it's Something, no some, it's no fun to have your balls pretend released. I just want to let you know. Somebody had a problem with that game, and they came up with some kind of repair or fix and that was put on the internet in the late 2000s so if you googled it you could probably find it well the repair that the original the owner before me did was they disconnected the solenoid and they jammed a, a little uh anchor a wall anchor in the solenoid so it couldn't drop and the ball just came off for every time which is not if you're an operator no big deal yeah right. at home it's not a problem but you know it's fun to have that stuff working in my opinion so but yeah, so uh, new battery saves all the scores, saves all the settings. Oh, that uh, worked out. Yep, um, it's a three volt battery, but it's a like a twelve fifty five or something or twelve twenty five. So it's a smaller battery than the standard CR twenty thirty two. Good old Radio Shack. I wish they were around. But I took uh, just a button battery uh, holster and I wired as it like a as a pigtail. 
So it's just hanging off the board now, and you can put in a regular CR2032. Sweet. Yeah. So I did all kinds of fun stuff. I fix, I was all fixing and in, in, in sh- yeah. stuff. Hey, did, did somebody ask you what temperature you, you set your soldering iron to? What was your answer for that? I saw that online. In the chat? Yeah, well, what do you set your soldering iron to? I set mine to 600 degrees. I set mine to like 1,000. What? <laughs> no. Um, One million degrees. <laughs> I, I, I run my iron hot because I go fast. So um, <laughs> see. I do because uh, I often also, and it's risky because you can lift pads real easy if it's too hot. Um, but I'm over 700 degrees a lot of the times. I'm like, I'm, I'm usually around 825. And that's because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the boards have just old solder and I don't want to re I'm lazy. So I don't want to re-solder and then unsolder and all that nonsense. So, but I'm very fast and, um, I run a fan and I, I make sure that I'm not on the pad too long and I can, I can fire through stuff pretty quickly. So. It's the and my desoldering iron I leave on high most of the time. Yeah, me too. Um, but and, and that's when you'll lift pads, you know, because you hold it down too long. But I don't know. I run hot. Billy, what do you run your soldering iron at? Uh, I don't know. It's in Celsius. <laughs> oh, damn it! What are we in Europe? Uh, yeah. Well, my my desolder station's an old Pace, <laughs> um, and. Uh, well, what is it in Celsius? I'll do. I'll I'll go find the page to do that. I usually run around three sixty. Okay. Yeah. So I think like the maximum that most like my I had this Chinese IUA soldering station, and I think the maximum it would go on mine is like four forty five or something. Oh wow! Which is like eight hundred and thirty three degrees. Three sixty is six hundred and eighty degrees, almost seven hundred. What Adam uses. Now I feel like I'm too low. I need to like I gotta I gotta hot I gotta get hotter. Well, yeah. If if you if you can't get the solder to flow within about three to four now this ain't taking account for like a board that's that crappy solder with right uh, rat stuff on it and all that and and that's when you need to bring in some fresh solder to start it. But yeah, if you're just working with the regular thing, if you can't within about three seconds get it flowing, that's not it's taking. The size of the iron and the wattage and all that too. That's why you really need a solder station. Yeah, I mean that's if you're going to do work, it keeps an even temperature. Otherwise, you're overheating it, and then it's dropping too fast when you're doing too many connections. Yeah, I did. Um, I I bought a Hacko soldering station, so it's nice temperature control. And, and I honestly am between seven and eight twenty-five most of the time, but I I run hot. Um. Yeah. So anyway, I did that. Billy, uh, what you been working on? Oh, oh cool. Uh, kind of the whole reason I came here tonight is I wanted to plug something. Yeah. Oh boy. So I got this new project. Um, you know we're all collectors, right? And uh, it's kind of a disease in a way. I don't know if that's appropriate to say, but you know, one is never enough. Hmm. And when you have two. Two are never enough. And it just is this uh, slippery slope of collecting. So I thought it was time to possibly document some of my life of collecting. So I started a new book. And uh, (laughs) uh, let's see if we can see this here. So my daughter helped me out with the art. And uh, 
<laughs> the working title of it right now is My Life of Collecting Arcade Games and Why You Shouldn't. And, then, <laughs> and, and we're still working on it. So I put, I put the little, what do you call that, triangle? Start. So you shouldn't start. <laughs> and uh, so my daughter did that artwork. And uh, we got this little game down here. We ran out of time tonight to, uh, That's familiar. to draw it. And See so it. then uh, I just figured I'd go into it a little bit here. And, oh, oh, oh what the hell? Oh, oh you uh, shouldn't be printing that. So, Wait a minute. No, I, you're not How supposed to say I'm printing money. That's, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, uh, so we got uh, the time when my son and I met uh, Steve Weeby. Adam was there. Yeah. And then uh, we got the time when I got to meet Billy Mitchell. You know, my parents named me Billy after Billy Mitchell. Uh, and, uh, uh, that's about how far I've gotten so far. So, uh, damn it. More to come. Stay tuned. And uh, that is funny. Uh, I'm not saying that I need your money, but uh, yeah, right. That's that. That, and then I guess I'll say it now. Uh, with all this COVID germs going around and stuff, I worked in the hotel, lodging, and event industry, and well. They ain't no job there no more. And uh, coincidentally, the week before I was furloughed, which uh, was a Monday, or the Monday before, my son and I went to Tilton Town, the, the pinball bar. And uh, by then we were social distancing and we had hand cleaner and all that. Uh, but that was the afternoon the state announced by the next day everything would be closed by 4. When we walked out, we walked down the block and there's like a swami there, palm reader or something. I posted a photo of me standing in front saying, I don't need no reading to tell me I'm going to lose my job. And it was less than a week. And so uh, Brian and Susan have been very gracious, and they've given me a chance to come down here and uh, apply my trade of old arcade game repair. So uh, I've taken up a residency desk here. So uh, we'll see what the future brings. But I'm pretty happy. It's kind of cool coming into work, not being yelled at, at least not for the things that I can't help, like being ugly and fat. But uh, <laughs> just yelled so, at, like high five me. Or <laughs> so send your monitors and boards and such. Yes. Yes. Plug paradisearcadeshop.com. What do we absolutely? Do we They're do actually that's another thing. I, I brought two uh, security monitors into Paradise to be our, uh, squared away. By the dudes. So, they do good work there, you know. Heck yeah. yeah I hear they're very competent. Uh, the mon- the main monitor guy was in the television industry for many years and uh, very com- competent. I've learned quite a bit from him already. Yeah, he's a, he's a trip. Mm-hmm. I like him. Tom is a good guy. Yeah. And everybody works together, pitches in. It's kind of cool. Uh, we were... Uh, Working on uh, Vindicators. Hmm. And, uh, they got the little keyboard trigger switches in there. And uh, we found a keyboard, found some ones in there, but they weren't right and they weren't fit right. And those, uh, can't think of the manufacturer, but they're, they are kind of like a mechanical keyboard switch, uh, but not quite that clicky thing. Anyway, <laughs> can't really take them apart to clean it because the actual switch mechanism inside of the switch housing is sealed. So, uh, with the help of Q and parts, um, Brian, knowing Newton's a force for part of the part number, we went online, Tom ordered them, 
So they're going to put it up on the website. So we'll have road blasters and vindicator switches, authentic, real Atari switches in stock for your games now. Hey, so, I mean, it was really cool. It was a team effort to come up with it. There is also uh, something else. I think we may have talked about this on another show, but uh, you guys kind of came up with a new idea of how to make how to bulletproof uh, Paperboy. Yeah, um, I think they're going to offer that too. But any of the AR three games. That's what that is, right? AR3, Paperboy, uh, oh, Sprint, yeah. all that. Hmm. Yeah, there's going to be a solution where uh, you'll be able to buy, um, I believe, is my understanding, um, the cabling will make and a power supply, and you'll be able to leave your original boards and such there, and this will all interconnect, and it will eliminate your need for the, the originals, and uh, you'll have one power supply running the entire game. Which would be nice. That's sweet. Yeah. And the same with those, like you were talking about the uh, title power supply. It's confusing if for no other reason where you've got the potentiometers in the bottom there. You've got the 5 volt on the right and the 12 volt on the left, I believe. <laughs> and, you know, so if you're looking at them, you got 5 volts adjustment. Then your next one is uh, your 5 volt current. Yep. Then you got 12 volt current. And 12 volt adjustment. So yeah. instead of instead of you know going along, if you read your manual and you do one, you're trying to do the other one. You're just messing with the current, and you're not getting anywhere. So the, right. his board that Adam spoke of again, it'll fit into the spot of the original board. It's a full board, and there'll be a Power Pro on it, uh, which is a heavy duty switching power supply from HAP, and it has all the correct mating connectors. So you can take your working or non-working linear out. Leave it in the cabinet, put your new board in, screw it in just like the original, put the connectors in, and you're good to go. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, they're, you know, he's got a, a, a lot of those going on. Mark, you're breathing right into your mic, just FYI. So, yeah, the, uh, that is pretty cool stuff. You got anything else you're working on? Mm. No? Well, my kid and I took apart a lawnmower today. Well, that's not it. That isn't ah, it. <laughs> no, uh, yes, actually, I was working on the monitor for my um, Sprint 2 this past week. Sprint 2? And, yep. I had I, two Sprint 2s at one time. Uh, I've never had that, but I got it for $45 oh. 20, 20 uh, years ago or something. That's a good deal. So uh, it made an appearance at the Gaming Classic one year. Uh, however, uh, I had some problems with it, and it's a tech monitor, which, you know, depending on who you talk to, they're, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so I was working on it. I put it back in, and I didn't realize it, but those black and white monitors have a high-voltage diode between your cup that goes on the anode. The wire comes down, there's a high-voltage diode, and the wire that goes to your flyback. And apparently, taking out and moving it around, the rubber around the high-voltage diode had split. So I went to stick my hand in there, and boom! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Got a little, so, uh, a little uh, wake-up call? Yeah, well, I went to school for electronics, including television, back in the day. And I'll be honest with you, I know I've been shocked less than five times off of a monitor or television over the years. But uh, so I'm, I know that didn't break it, because I'm thinking about three times prior to that. So that's yeah. four now, but... <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, it's more of a rude awakening. Yeah. It's a nice reminder of how precious life is. The power at hand. Mortality. <laughs> oh. Hey, we have we have gadgets news actually. We do. 
Okay, well, let's spin that up. Uh, okay. I always felt that the true stars at Atari was the engineering. So, you're an inventor? Yes, I am. What have you invented? A lot of things. Like? Like a lot of things. Like things that you've heard of. Like? Well, things that you will have heard of, okay? Patents are patents. Arcade gadgets with the glass. That gadgets thing. I laugh at it every week. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Good I don't know if you've seen it, but it's great. <laughs> it's a good clip. So, um, the gad- in the gadget news, uh, it, it actually comes from Jason Kopp's house. Hmm. Pie Position is now in pre-orders. Really? Yes, he has it working. Oh. It, it's amazing. Let me let me read his post that he put up on the Facebooks okay. yesterday. Uh, first of all, he says this is a pre-order for the Pie Position PCB. It plugs directly into any Atari pole position cabinet. And make sure that we emphasize Atari. It won't actually go into the Namco version. Uh, and emulates the original PCB. Adapters for Namco will be made soon. This uh, board plays both pole position and pole position 2. You just actually use the uh, the, the button that's on the the test switch to switch games. It's capable of playing many more racing games, but if you decide to add additional ROMs and alter configurations, please feel free to do so. Um, he had a pic- He had one picture that was his prototype, but it was, like I said, working completely. He'd solved all the problems that he'd had with his uh, turn. You know, the, the turning. He says here the board you will receive will be finished and not have jumpers. Excuse me. He's he's what's, like, what's going on there? He's just like a lot of burping and just decided to come out while I'm reading. <laughs> I swear I have one more big burp coming. Okay. And it's this. I swear, Bud Light. It, it's it's like twenty percent air. <laughs> says I have enough funds to build and sell the fifty without the need for future pre-orders. I initially wanted to charge one fifty each. But unfortunately, the Pi Zero did not run as well as expected, so he actually is upgrading the Pi that you're going to get. But it's only 175 plus shipping. I mean, come on, that's a bargain. I bought one. Huh. I wonder why he, he didn't just do a flat rate. I know, build the shipping in, because he has a lot of international people, I think. Okay. Well, it'll be good for people that don't want to you know, wait for uh, an FPGA to roll around. Yeah, no, new, no idea where Adam is on that. Not me, a different Adam. The Corchesony. Because I'm I'm nowhere near finished if they're waiting for me. No, I haven't started yet. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it for the gadgets. So I guess that we'll move on to some news. (laughs) Hi. It's the arcade news with Stevens. Okay, so this one is from RollingStone.com, which I don't remember if I sent this to you guys or not, or how this ended up in here, but this is a great uh, little news article. Gorillaz uh, recruited Schoolboy Q to honor Pac-Man on the animated outfield's latest song, Machine Track, um, Pac-Man, which arrives just weeks after the 40th anniversary of the arcade classic. And I have to say that this song is, oh, I don't know. 
a gajillion times better than the official Namco release that came out like a month ago or two months ago, which is just a, a crazy dance beat with a video. Um, we played a little bit of it on the show, which was it was kind of embarrassing. I don't. I wish uh, they could have done something with you know Jerry Buckner, but uh, you know. You can't you can't go backward all the time. So the Gorillas track is pretty cool. You got to check it out, um, Mark. If you want to drop the link in the chat, I'm gonna play just a little bit of the song. It's not really giving you a good feel for the track, but. But it's very gorillas, uh, awesome animation, really cool video, uh, and some really cool uh, bezels and uh, Pac-Man cabinet graphics that would be fun to make like a gorillas version of a Pac-Man yeah. cabinet. So check that out. I think it's pretty you cool. You can play it in a local arcade or something. <clears throat> I know. I know. It would be awesome. So this one's from the Washington Post. Fox taking fans to the ball game with a virtual crowd. So Fox will be taking viewers out to the ball game by adding a virtual crowd in parks during its baseball broadcasts this season. The network revealed today that it will include computer-generated fans in the stands, beginning with the three games on Saturday. Fox begins its coverage with... This is... I don't know. This, this is starting to irritate me. I, yeah? I don't, I don't know why you would do this. What? They're just going to super... They're going to have fake fans in the audience. I know digital it's crazy <laughs> what is the point of that well i mean it's funny earlier this week they had some like preseason games and they just had like audio of fans like you know reacting it, like literally there's video of some guy play one of the one of the players he hits a home run but because there is nobody there he can't tell if it was a home run there's no like ah, you know <laughs> so it's funny because uh, I'm 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 torn on this. I think it's like revisionist history. It's like people will look back at those games and they will not know that there was never not anybody in the stands. They should they should fill the stands with me uh, me uh, the me. Uh, that would be hilarious. Guys. That would be hilarious. Like or, little or Republicans. Come on, Nintendo <laughs> Nintendo Wii me characters. Yeah. That'd be funny. Oh, no, that would be we could all we could all like have a virtual uh, lottery to be in our local uh, stadiums and uh, put your little me's in the background and. Yeah, I think that'd be funny. Did you, did you see? I don't know if you're going to read this whole thing, but the fans can do up to 500 actions, ranging from high fives during a home run to doing the wave. <laughs> I, I I don't I, I'm actually this is like having a laugh track on a live comedy gig. Yeah. It's uh, like I don't know if you've. It irritates me to no end when Netflix or HBO puts out like a, a a new special for Jim Gaffigan, and it's got a laugh track, you know, and it's obvious like they've enhanced the audience laugh. because he wasn't funny enough. Yeah, this is definitely in the vein of you can't have comedy without a laugh track. But I mean, some of the stuff that they they're gonna do, they can program the crowd. Like if it's um, in the case of the Brewers Cubs game, they can make a crowd that is seventy five percent Cubs and twenty five percent Brewers, so they can control the rendered colors and then it, 
Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's messed up. Oh, thank you, very much. Thank you, everybody. There's no, you know. You're welcome. For that. Yeah. The system also is able to adapt to the weather. When the temperature gets colder, they will put winter jackets on all the virtual people. <laughs> that is so incredible. It's almost as if they've been planning for this. You know what I mean? Like how long? It, it couldn't have been like an overnight, you know, put in some algorithms and then, you know, the moms all put on parkas. I mean, I, I can imagine if, if you've got that much control, everything, they could take things off, too. Whoa. Oh, yeah. They it's could getting, have, like, one naked guy out there. It's getting hot in here. Speaker. So take off all your clothes. It's it's really taking that street fighter, you know, the, the crowd that's always, like, you know, looking in the background that mm-hmm. only has, like, mm-hmm. one move and, and just expanding on that. My belly is expanding. Oh man, I got so much air to come out. <laughs> oh no, that just sounds horrible. This thing is so. Ugh. We, we should do something like some calisthenics or some fighting or something. Next time, make a real red beer. <laughs> Who who's in charge of the red beer around here anyway? Mm. I don't know. Mark. Yeah, that's it for that the news. Good. That's it. Ready. Ready. All right. <laughs> Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Back, back to the cave with, with Time Runner. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Welcome to Arcade. Uh-oh, hold on. Jesus Christ. Cremony. Thank God. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Arcade School. We've talked about Aladdin's Castle and Time Out in the most recent episodes. And today we're going to delve into Malibu Grand Prix. Ooh. Or pricks, as my wife calls it. <laughs> In March of 1975, a group of overgrown kids, which we now call adults in 2020, who hailed from Orange County, California, created the first Malibu Grand Prix near Angel Stadium in Anaheim, also a very popular place for devil worship. <clears throat> what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, the idea had come about when Ron Cameron, this guy is important now to the story, <laughs> a Malibu investor, which means he had money, was visiting Detroit, came across a miniature speedway where people could drive cars around a dirty track. You know what? The funny thing about this is that every one of these stories starts off with, they went to someplace dirty and they didn't like it. Do you hear somebody? What is that? <laughs> Are those grapplings? <laughs> so anyway, Ron took home the idea. <laughs> I don't feel like that means the building. <laughs> cover up the gas. <laughs> All right, I want to hear this Malibu thing. That's sorry, cool. sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah. it, it. So initially, the only feature of the of Ron's Ron's place was a racetrack, three quarter mile, three quarter scale, custom designed, twenty eight horsepower, Formula One racers, and um, anybody could p- play Mario Andretti for a dollar a lap. That seems kind of expensive. Hmm. 
The cars were valued at 12000 to 15000 each. Uh, after three or four months, the location installed a half dozen pinball games and video games that were operated by an outside operator. And then they start, slowly started to realize, why are we doing this? And then they actually ripped out some of their offices, put an arcade in there, started making the monies, expanded their locations. And long story short, they were purchased by Atari slash... Uh, Warner Brothers, who actually owned Atari at the time. And then Malibu Grand Prix just completely exploded at that point and uh, got up to like about 100, 100 locations. Uh, some, Most of them were in California, Arizona, and Houston, Texas. Right over here. Uh, Brian Prober said he lived near one. Nice. We had one in uh, Houston where there was like a, a shooter and then they had to close it, I guess, because it was just too depressing to reopen. It very, very weird. My cousins worked there. Luckily, they weren't working that day. Very strange. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so, Andy, under Warner, the chain expanded, and as arcade popularity dwindled. Oh, it says dwindled. Is that a thing? Dwindled? No. No, that's a typo. Oh, is it, has it dwindled over time? I'm just going to say it anyway. It wasn't until 2002 when the last three remaining Malibu Grand Prixes were purchased by Palace Entertainment, owners of a handful of theme parks, water parks, and family entertainment centers. The so, end. So the moral of the story. The moral of the story is go is, back in time to the seventies, buy a bunch of locations, and then okay. cl- make make sure they're clean. I thought you were going to talk about the Laserdisc game. They were going to produce a Laserdisc game from the Malibu Grand Prix. Uh, tell me. Tell me more. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. Um, okay, well, tell Although me we, what we, we should maybe look it up then. Alleged. Yeah. 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 They, uh, and I think Atari was the one that was going to work with it, but there's video out there for a game and Maybe it wasn't Laserdisc. Maybe it was going to be film or something. Somebody, and they might have even been on your show, because I think the cabinet was going to be a weird cabinet with a big projector over it or something in the late 70s, early 80s. Huh. I'll have to look it up. After after I buy this exterminator on eBay, I'll look it up. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. Who? What's what's in the juke? Oh. Hello and welcome to What's in the Juke? Sexy style. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Our underwear is twice as tight this week. I'm just, I'm just having a little fun, you know. Yeah. Just, I'm having a little fun. What's in the juke? Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy. It's, it almost okay. All right, Mark, why don't you tell him what what's Hello, going on? Oh, and welcome to What's in the Juke. We've got ten songs picked out from the year 1980. It could be from any night of 1980, January 1st or December 31st. You'll never know. <laughs> Actually, there's 11 songs tonight. You picked ah, 11. Crap, I didn't count correctly. <laughs> if you can guess the song's title, you'll get a half point. Right. If you can guess the artist, you'll also get half point. If you can guess both, you will get point. treasured. Yes, exactly. If you don't know what's going Full on, point. find it out. Full point. 
Jim Bodini have to get in here. <laughs> I'm going to need you to tell us if there are any prizes possibly tonight, and then we can. Well, Billy Seven, Billy Seven's going to hand out prizes tonight. Okay, what do you got, Billy? Well, I I don't know if they're good enough for the for uh... everything's good enough. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, as I was walking out the actually door, my tonight book, uh... you'll get this 3M. Uh... <laughs> Is that fruit stripe? <laughs> no. You'll get yeah, this. give one of those away. So this is a command it. strip. You can. You, if you win third place, you will get a command strip. Oh, I thought it was fruit shake gum. <laughs> and if you win second place, you'll get this piece of used painter's tape. First game ever. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's see here. So I just, on my way through the game room, I just grabbed stuff from a pile real quick. So uh, I think this is cool and... Uh, I gave a bunch of them away. I got a whole stack of them a few years ago when we had the first uh, Paradise Arcade swap meet. This is a local brew magazine called The Growler. And for that month, they had, uh, is this called Needlepoint, where the, the person takes and so they have like a needlepoint of a duck, duck hunt. Nice. It that. is pretty funny. So I thought that might be kind of cool. It's in really nice shape. Uh, and then uh, I got this one. Everybody's so cuckoo, uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over Turtles. <laughs> so here's an industry magazine at the time for Turtles in Time from Konomi. And uh, it's a full magazine. And it's not very, uh, it's not like Cashbox or uh, whatever the other ones where I can't think yeah. of. But maybe someone would really want this for their Turtles in Time. And then you guys had this dude on the show. And... <laughs> Everybody's also cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over him in recent years. So here's a trading card for Todd Tucky. Oh, nice. I want to compete now. Uh, well, I, you know, actually, I thought I had signed ones, and it's not. So maybe if I, if I can find that, I'll give you that one. Oh, yeah. So you, get a, you have a Todd Tucky trading card. And then this is one of my more favorites. Um, Four prizes. This was the year I believe he spoke, and I got to meet him. Okay. Uh uh, they had Nolan Bushnell as the uh, oh. guest speaker at the banquet at Pinball Expo. And um, they, of course, being the nerd I am, I brought some stuff to have signed. And then they ran the charity auction, and you got to bid to have stuff signed, which is totally cool. No worries. I mean, it's charity. Right. But uh, I got to take my Atari 2600 joystick that I played with. As a kid, oh my God, out there, and I got Nolan to sign it, and it still has my teeth marks. I'm like, ah, I'm so angry. <laughs> so I, I have my Nolan Bushnell. So uh, I think these came out after the fact. So and and then I, I got some stuff here. Brian's oh, got this. Wait, how many prizes are we giving away? Everybody's gonna win something. Uh, this is uh, from Como Zoo. Did you give these away yet? Uh, we we did give away one set. They okay. still haven't so gotten it. This is on yet. Brian's desk. I'm giving it away because I'll give him another one. Okay, right. so that's how many prizes? Black or that's green. Five prizes. Okay, so we're gonna have five winners tonight. Everyone's gonna be a winner. Or you uh, can we'll, bulk them up. Well, I think Where we should. Win? I think we should just give away. You know, like because uh, we often have 
ties and stuff. So, and, and this is sort of the bulk of the show tonight anyways, because we're just, you know, we're just winging it. We're just having a good time, you know? First track. Ready? Yeah, let's hear some music pieces. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, here's your first track. That's pretty. That's pretty recognizable. I like it a lot. And in the chat, here's a hint: Trump hates them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wow, we got some political stuff wow. coming on Mark tonight. Tom O'Petty. Uh, I'm gonna say Brian Frober got it. Okay. And the song is "Refugee." Refuge. It's "Refuge" by Casey Relford. So that's a half point for those gentlemen's, right? Half point. Okay, all right, moving on to the next track. Uh, we may want to go to the middle of this one for a little bit. How we go? What? I love that band. I don't know why. I do too, especially that album. Correct. Yep. <laughs> it is Super Tramp. That's Casey on the mic. And it is uh, Andy Baldwin bringing up the rear with a long way home. A long way home. Half point for both of those gentlemen. Half point. All right, the next track. Here you go. See if anybody gets it from that. I love that. It's such a fun song. Yeah, and this this guy was gone too fast. Eddie Rabbit is correct. Casey, man, he's killing tonight. Yeah, I love it. He's, he's like, I think he, like, pays someone to, like, bring in a separate set of internet for him. I think he listens yeah. to a lot of music. He does. And Mr. Peabody does, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Mr. Peabody's won a lot of prizes. Thankfully, I'll have, like, two addresses to send all this stuff to. Half point. Okay, so that is Driving My Life Away, and that is Eddie Rabbit. That's a full point. Full point. For Casey. Sweet. Nice work. Okay. Take the lead early. All right, here comes your next track. I think that's enough, don't you? It's a good one. I don't know. It's funny. I I was gonna. Love Tiger, don't you? Oh. <laughs> Ryan Prober got it right off the bat. It is Pat Benatar, and it is Heartbreaker, Mr. Peabody for half point. All right, that's a half point. Peabody on the board, nice. <laughs> Finally. Half point. Half point for those gentlemen. Okay. All right. This is uh, one of the best tracks for playing super loud in your car. Like, you can turn this up to 11. It's 11. And you can play the beginning of this song. I'm not. This is the best. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is not Spinal Tap. It is Back in Black, ACDC. That is Casey for a full point. Nice. Is anybody else even on the board? (laughs) Full point. see some fighting out there. I want to see some... I think if I'm in my car and an old school song comes on that I think I play the loudest, it's uh, Joan Jett's Do You Want to Touch Me. Uh, Oh, yes. Got that crowd kind of... I like Joan Jett. All right, uh, so we're midway through the game. Where are we at with the, the points? Well, Casey Relford is dominating everybody with three full points. 
right behind him in the far distance, Brian Frober with one point, and trailing in the back, way off in the distance. They're so small because they're so far. Brian, oh wait, not Brian. Adam, <laughs> Andy Baldwin, and Mr. Peter Body with a mere half point, fighting it out together. So do we have five people on the board? Four people. We, we, we need somebody points. else to get a half point so you can get one of the prizes. Somebody else, maybe. All right. Here comes your next track. <laughs> well, that seems familiar. Yeah, it does seem familiar. Yeah. She was all over the charts. No, Casey, you're doing fine. We're not going to make you stop playing. This is good. I love it. All right. Hit me with your breast shot. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to say Andy Baldwin got that. <laughs> Pat Benatar, Brian Frober is bringing up the rear. All right, that's another half point. Half point. For both of those gents. Okay, there's no ladies in the audience tonight. How disappointing. Oh, wah, wah. Wah, wah. All right, that's par for the course. All right, here comes your next track. (laughs) Never heard of it. (laughs) One second, that was. No idea. <laughs> Dolly's running a trail tonight so we don't get her help. No, oh, that's uh, too Brian bad. Brian Frober with Queen. Another one bites the dust. Yeah, so that looks like uh, Andy Baldwin. I think Joe Drosen. Oh, wait, you're right. Andy Baldwin, yeah. way up there. Yeah, he had the name of the track before everybody else was yelling Queen. Incredible. Incredible. Huh. Half point. He's off with me lucky charms. Aye. It's unbelievable. (laughs) All right, next track. I wonder if anybody can get it from that. Because if you're listening closely, if you're listening closely, there are some giveaways right there. I'm just going to play that. I definitely recognize it. We can hear the buzz from, oh my God, Casey. Incredible. Oh, oh, that is unbelievable. That is not human Shazam right there. He's a sound hound. I cannot believe that. You just hear the Everybody buzz do- from the, you know, the feedback. It's just. It's you are correct. Uh, is the police with walking on the moon? I still love that I got to see them in their reunion tour at Excel. Me too. I was there with you in spirit. Yeah, I was in fifth row. It was so awesome, man. I was general admission. That, I don't think I had a seat. Is that that Best Buy thing? Mm, I don't think they like. Get together and put an album out to Best Buy, and then do some kind of tour sponsored by them or something. Uh, I don't. Th- this was a reunion tour. I, I don't know if Best Buy sponsored it. There was no album. Uh, oh. were, I think they just played the hits, and of course the bandmates oh. were happy to reunite with Sting. Yeah. And his son actually opened the show. That was he was pretty good. That yeah. sounds familiar too. Yeah, it was good. Uh, here comes your it's, next track. Track. <laughs> oh no way, dude! I, I, I bet you somebody gets it. Maybe. <laughs> it's a it's a little bit of a deeper. Steely Dan, Hey Nineteen. I I can't. It's like is did someone slip him the list before the show? No, this <laughs> list is gigantic. There's no way he he is this good. Hey, hey See, that was correct. Unbelievable. Steely Dan. I remember Steely Dan won like album of the year like a few years ago, and everybody was like, "Who the f is Steely Dan?" So right now, Casey's got to have like five points. Yeah, he he does. That's it. Five points. 
Because he's gotten like half of them. All right. right. All right. Here comes your next track. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. I'm glad you like you cut it off before the sounds. <laughs> that's such a good track. <laughs> I think the speed of it is. Oh, Brian Frober with uh, Devo. Yep. And Joe Drosen with Whip It. Welcome to the. Welcome to the fray, Joe Drosen. Yes, Joe E. Joe E. Joe E. Drosen. Joe E. Drosen. He has a capital E for you on the podcast that can't see this. <laughs> well, yes, he exactly. gave up his secret. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's a great idea. He uses his computer on the Xfinity high speed for the chat. Oh. He says he uses the uh, stream the audio right from his phone. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because if you if you try to do this all on your phone, you will not win because there's... It's just slower. Yeah, you can be on, if you're under Wi-Fi, you have a better chance. But if you're using radio, you're going to be heavily delayed. So, pro tip: use a computer to listen to the show if you want to win some. Or, or just call me stuff. and I'll set my phone down on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, not that we need a tiebreaker because we're going to give out five prizes, but let's uh, play this last track. Number eleven. <laughs> now oh that's that's this guy i see interesting wow. youtube over sprint is way faster he's given away pro tips i think andy baldman got the artist first excellent eric clapton all right and bill holman with cocaine no wait no no andy baldman got cocaine and then casey ralford got uh Half point. eric clapton all right Sweet. Let's tally it up and give away some prizes. All right, Casey's in first. We got Brian Frober in second, not too far away, two and a half. Then with two points, Andy Bald. Meh. I made a typo. And Mr. Peabody and Joe Dryson tied for third and fourth. So. All right, Casey. Uh, what prize do you want? Do you want the Growler magazine? Do you want the Todd Tucky, Nolan Bushnell card, or do you want uh, Moldorama Zoo? You already got an orange one coming. And then uh, Games and Leisure, Turtles and Time magazine are your choices. No? They're all floating in the air. He doesn't want any of it? He's got to get something. Well, that's fine. He just said no. So, um, first prize should be Todd card. He's taking the Todd card. Oh, Todd card. card. That's cool, man. All right, so put that down for... Casey, and then we'll just divvy all the other ones up randomly. Okay. So, uh, Brian Frober, you're going to take home the Growler magazine. Uh, Andy Baldman, you're going to get the Games and Leisure's Turtle in Time trade magazine. And Mr. Peabody, you're going to get a Como Zoo. No, you're not. You're going to get the Nolan Bushnell trading card. And Joe Drosen, you get to have the Como Zoo Moldorama. Moldorama. That's that's what we call mixing it up on the show. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, we'll put these into our spreadsheet and get them on the six-week backlist for mailing out this weekend. Stick it in the arcade radiotron. Right. Uh, yeah. So prizes are not guaranteed, and you can't sue me. Uh, shipping and freight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the part of the show where we uh, we check the voicemail. Thank you for calling 612-548-GAME. This is Arcade Radio. 
Please leave your message after the tone. Hello? Nothing. That was it? That was it. Oh, terrible. Yeah, I checked, you know, and well, let me check again. Because you never know. There could be somebody there right now. Is that a recording? Who said hello? That I was assured that that was a real call. Nope, that was that was not it. It was Yeah. Well, we could play this one again. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm still trying to get over the fact that they are like gonna fake a crowd. Like, yeah. like who is that doing anything for? <laughs> Like, I wonder if they're all digital or they have to have like actors, and then they just replicate. They just replicate the actors. The you Mortal know? Kombat model modeling. Exactly. I don't. It's just. Seems... Here we are at the ball game. Knoblock is up to bat, and he swings and he misses. Holy cow! <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like you, the fact that I said Knobloch means that you know how current I am on baseball. <laughs> so that well, article, after guy Eddie. That article says that Major League Soccer uh, only had like one camera set up for the virtual crowds, but Fox is going to have four of its ten cameras uh, that will be calibrated to show the virtual crowds, and then they may add more as the season goes on. It just seems, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. And it, it's, but you know what? It's Fox. So it makes sense. They just make up shit all the time. If, they, if, I'd, re- if I'd read it on my own, I would have hated it. But the discussion tonight has made me enjoy it and want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Games this Saturday. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> the 91 seed. You know, it's a Knobloch played for the Twins, but he was traded in New York, wasn't he? Yeah, where, where he no, did why? not do well. No, <laughs> so yeah, he should have stayed. I just remember Knobloch. His signature thing was he get up to bat and he put his legs so far out you could like, I don't know. If he if he's not careful, a squirrel could run up his pants. Let's just say that. Yeah, or a chipmunk since you're in the Midwest. Well, I think I think '91 was his rookie season, and uh, he, you know he was such a great player for us at the time and mm-hmm. i i want to say that he even had came from like texas am and m or it had it like on his batting gloves when he went up during the world series and stuff and mm-hmm. you know it was, it was world series it was the twins it was minnesota it was cool yeah i mean we got two i should we should feel lucky you and, you, and you guys didn't <laughs> cheat like the astros that's pretty <laughs> and that we weren't contracted either right we were, we were the we were the cheapest uh, team on the in the league right I, I, yeah I, there's i think we had anytime we develop stuff we got rid of it yeah you yeah. know and then we would start from scratch yeah i don't know who's in charge of our ball clubs but the only ball clubs in minnesota that do well are women ball clubs so mm-hmm. and now we have a soccer club which won't even get to open this year so that's good come on <laughs> So sad. Yeah. I think I have that somewhere. Uh, I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I also have this. A little rim shot. (laughs) Okay, so I did some looking. Mm -hmm. I found uh, 
at the uh, Dragon's Lair project. I'm putting it in the chat now. Uh, they've got a small blurb on the Malibu um, racing game. It yeah. was going to be a laser disc. Um, Interesting. Oh. And I want to say that there that there might have been some other thing prior to that too, maybe film based. There was something about a cabinet, and they had uh, <laughs> a driving cabinet. There was going to be a projector. I swear that that fact was on your show. Whoever was Sartari talking about it? I, it could have been. I don't recall. Right? I, it's funny. Christopher Graham's like. Welcome to K-Fan. We've just given up. <laughs> we're not going to do a show about arcades anymore. We're just going to talk about baseball. And we're going to talk about baseball from 25 years ago. And <laughs> They're computer generated just like video games. So it's Crap, it's almost 30 years. Topical. 20, yeah. <laughs> In 100 years, they'll look back and go, oh, man, what did they do when they couldn't have crowds? All right, let's pick a topic. Okay, hold on. Let me go to the first. I, I had a topic at the beginning. <laughs> I, the topic was okay. Give let's us become the... gamers. All right. Let's, let's let's do a show where we play uh, like a game like Call of Duty and then kill each other. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not following what you're trying to make me do, Mark. I, I think that we're gonna become gamers. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not a vacation uh, hat thingy on. There. Yeah. Do you do you game Billy? Do you play any of the uh, multiplayer kind of stuff? Uh, you know, uh, until I got a PS2, which was late in the game, I I only played with other people's uh, consoles when we were gaming right. at parties and such. And, I think the uh, answer is no. I think your answer well, is I no. I walked through that really carefully because what I was saying could have been misconstrued. <laughs> so uh, I had to kind of get the verbiage right there. But uh, I did buy into a Wii U at the beginning. My son was young, thought it'd be great, and then I got crapped on because they dumped it out. So, so uh, but, but I pulled out. It's funny you should say that. Like two, three nights ago, I pulled out um, um, the games where you put the little characters on and they, they. Uh, oh yeah, and and it detects them, and yeah. then you. Get there to was be a Disney, Yeah, there was you a guys, Disney version of it. I, I'm just listening to the show right now, and I'm thinking, "Holy crap, you sound old!" Like you, read, like uh, pulled out this Wii U from well, a couple of years ago, and there was these things. Infinity, and, and there's these little yes, guys. Infinity. You gotta, and we we should bring her up to speed oh here. Oh my but god, real it's quick, hilarious! So I pulled that out the other night, and uh, had my my daughter, my six year old daughter, playing with me, and she just thought it was great. You guys uh, are definitely and, older than thirty nine. Mag- Magda or something, yeah. and shooting bears or whatever. So. <laughs> oh, I play Rocket League. Uh, I haven't played in a while though, and I was try. I did try Fortnite, but I just got my butt handed to me all the time. And I really want to try Overwatch, but I don't really have time to for competitive gaming, especially when That's I'm so. It requires in, so much extra time. That's why I love arcade gaming. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Because it's like a three-minute game. That's what they're designed right. for. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, I, I love playing the other games, but I'm just saying that right. I love going out to the game room and playing and having my game get done and moving on. I played I know, Super I, Strike today between meetings. All day long, I would fire that thing up because it was working. And I would just play 10 frames. You're done in five minutes. Boom. You know. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, that game, I, I'm going to come back to that game probably all week long. Easy to learn, hard to master. <sighs> yeah. 
you know. Uh, and the mechanics of those old games for us old farts, they were great. They didn't I was rely a, on graphics like the new ones. I'm actually tossing around an idea uh, for a segment of the show called Console Corner. It's been on the, it's been in the paperwork since we started the show, and I think I have a bumper for it too somewhere. But uh, we just thought we'd branch into consoles a little bit because, I mean, all of us, uh, obviously arcade gamers, uh, had Atari 2600s, ColecoVision, and all that sort of thing. And I think those consoles resonate with collectors, um, especially since a lot of the time we just tried to collect the arcade titles to get them working. So in in the chat, you guys, there's a question to the chatters. What was your favorite console growing up? Uh, and keep it before, let's say, 1995. And then uh, you guys, let's round robin. Your your favorite, uh, we'll just make it uh, a little bit easy so you don't have to pick one. Uh, let's say your top three consoles um, and, uh, and maybe a little reason why. Mark, go ahead. Well, I'm going to have to start off with the... Well, I, I had three consoles basically uh, until like adulthood. Mm-hmm. I had the Odyssey two, I had an Atari twenty six hundred, and then I have a ColecoVision. And am I picking my favorite games off of these? Well, you could just explain what, which one is your favorite of those three. Uh, let's see. It, it's strange. It, it it's definitely somewhere in between the Atari twenty six hundred and ColecoVision. Uh, because my dad was an electrical engineer with Texas Instruments, mm-hmm. and he would bring home prototype stuff. I, you know, they would do weird stuff like hack the Atari 2600 or the ColecoVision. I mean, I had burned ROMs and hacked uh, little mini PCBs that you could plug in and play the games. So I, I had like access to like a crazy amount of games that my normal friends, who were not total weirdos like us, uh, couldn't get access. You know, couldn't get into. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be Atari 2600. Just because of the, the the number of games, just they basically let anybody make a game. It's it, I feel like a ColecoVision really controlled who could produce cartridges for a really long time. Well, ColecoVision came later, and they had trouble licensing games, so they had a slow start too, hmm. because Atari had already gotten all the licenses. So like they had to do Exidy games and uh, you know like games that nobody was doing, right. Uh, and in fact, Atari made games for the ColecoVision because they had licensed them already. Uh, so you can buy Atari titles for your ColecoVision. And I, yeah, and, you, and you shared your uh, ColecoVision uh, Atari 2600 adapter. Right. So you could play 2600 games on your ColecoVision. I have one of those too. So, yeah. I mean, those are good. Th- the, the ColecoVision's graphics were far superior to the Atari 2600. Well, that, that was a thing. By the time ColecoVision came along... They really had an awesome system, but what was cool is the Atari engineers or programmers, designers, had started to figure out how to exploit the flaws and limitations of the 2600, which was originally meant to play combat and pong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, they had created banking RAM uh, on some of their later games, and so... Venetian blinds? Yep. Mm -hmm. Venetian blinds? What? Yeah. yeah, they would use like every other scan line, and then they could produce twice as many colors and graphics. Oh, interesting! Yeah, it's a, lots of really cool techniques. I think it'd be fun to have someone on the show who's done some programming for the the twenty six hundred or the ColecoVision. It's very uh, difficult. 
Let's get the E.T. guy. Yeah, he did I Yars Revenge. It. He's really cool. Howard Scott Warshaw, he'd do the show, I bet. Yeah, and he oh, yeah. did a documentary. I think uh, I should reach out to him. I think it'd be great to have on. Great. Um, I'll, I'll figure out a way for us to play Atari 2600 games over the internet. I am seeing... Well, doing that. Are they? Sent me, Brian sent me a link, uh, although one somebody on my Facebook feed said that it's uh, a dead-in-the-water thing, but they were... Uh, uh, I think you could play... Was it Missile Command or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two player I, I, I'm thinking, yeah, two-player, two people, different different locations. Let's make it out. Did you guys see Battlezone 2 this past week? No. Battlezone 2? Was that the reveal at uh, Galloping Ghost? Uh, no, it oh. was on YouTube. Was if Park. you could stream that in the window on the show, it's really cool. It's um, I can't, but see if I can find. I could if I there. had a little more time and a producer working behind the scenes. But I, it takes some effort to get that going. Let me so, see if I can find it real quick. There would be two minutes, two minutes of futzing if we uh, tried to play that. It would be more like ten. So that's okay though. <laughs> so in the chat, I see ColecoVision, NES, Genesis, uh, 2600, 2600, 2600, right. uh, VCS, 2600. So uh, Billy, your top three consoles. Um, hang on, I got a channel Nolan here. <laughs> Got a little Jack Daniels in your Coke? Um, 2600, first of all, without a doubt. Okay. It was just, it was it. That was a thing, man. Um, so did you have two, two like a second and third, you'd say, or your favorite, or, or is that it? Well, the Intellivision with the Intellivoice and the Tron games. Interesting. Pretty awesome. Oh. The I, B-17 Bomber. Interesting. I am not a fan of... The Intellivision system. And then I loved talking about online gaming. When I got my uh, PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. I think it came with Twisted Metal Black Online. And that was my first online gaming experience. And it was awesome. Wow. Like a PlayStation 2. That's a Actually, that was a pretty awesome system. Mm-hmm. I think it came out in like 2000, though. So Yeah. And like the Grand Theft Autos. And I mean, there was... There was so much groundbreaking on it. And there were for each platform before it. Oh, but here's something really cool. And I could use I could use the help of all you great listeners out there with this uh, project I have going on. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, – <laughs> working in the hotel industry, I have um, acquired uh, basically what would amount to an on-demand movie system for uh, – so you guys were talking about like PBXs the other week? Yeah. So this, this system is a server and – uh, back in the day, there were actually VCRs, and uh, for a number of years, there was satellites. Um, so the on-demand system had a cabinet, and you would uh, bring in cable. Um, but to order movies and such, there's a computer, and there's uh, data taking place over the cable RF in the hotel. Mm-hmm. So they started with um, uh, Super NES, and then oh, GameCube. Yeah. Or, uh, 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 not GameCube, uh between Super NES and uh, GameCube. N64. Here. Saturn or... Oh, no, the other Nintendo. N64. Uh, Nintendo 64. Yeah, the N64. Okay. And so where I worked, we had opened in 2001. We didn't have any. And it's a long story. We were actually fairly high in the hotel, and it took a few years. And uh, we uh, put in a LodgeNet system. One of the, one of oh, the, yeah. They're called Sonify now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got the GameCube, 
because it had just come out in like 2003. Wow. And so they shut all that stuff down by 2012, I believe. And over the years, uh, I got one of our racks when they took the system out. And I got a computer and the gaming engines, and I've got it set up and working. I've worked my way into the system. It's a Linux-based system on FreeBSD, but where I'm getting to the point is there's no information. I believe the game engines, the, 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 they're basically modified uh, GameCubes running from hard drives. Um, the games are there, but I need, I think they use, from what I can tell, flash files to serve up so you'd go to your TV and say you want to play Mario Kart or Zelda Wind Waker or whatever. And uh, I'm missing those files, and I don't know that I can reproduce them. Hmm. So I've got everything set up. I've noodled around. I've reached out to some Nintendo people, and I've been kind of playing around with this for a while. But I, I think I'm at a point where until I get someone that, that knows how this works or has done development for it, I'm stuck. But what I want to do is take it out to the gaming classic, Park the cabinet there with like maybe a big plexiglass door over it, and then have I have a CRT television, a hotel ready television, and a flat panel, and have two controllers, and you can sit down and order up your Nintendo games and play them just like uh-huh. a hotel. And here's here's the the coolest kicker. You know everybody's talking about latency when they console game and Wi-Fi and all that crap. Um, when you were playing those video games, the controller in your room that looked like a Nintendo controller was plugged into a card in the television which was connected into the RF cable, just like you have cable in an apartment building or something, had to go all the way back through a number of amps downstairs to the piece of uh, computer equipment intercepting it and then decoded to the Nintendo system. So when you talk about latency over Wi-Fi gaming controllers or Bluetooth, just think about that for a minute. You're, you're playing, again, Mario Kart or whatever, and there's no perceptible, perceptible latency and that that has to go down there and then produce the video and go back up to you in the room. So, by the way, uh, speaking of latency and controllers, Eight uh, Bit Do just released uh, last week a new uh, Nintendo uh, Entertainment System style controller with 2.4 gigahertz wireless controller um, and uh, adapter for your original NES. They had already done a Bluetooth adapter, which they sold separately from their Bluetooth controllers. Uh, it was low latency, so it's a, a new one of the newer standards in Bluetooth. But wireless is is much less latency. Well, unless you're in my house where you've got like a hundred devices connected via two point four gigahertz mm. wireless. But um, but the idea is is that wireless is faster, and it's getting rave reviews. And it's twenty five bucks. It comes with the adapter, and you can plug that thing directly into your NES. My top three consoles, uh, yes. NES for sure, uh, uh, and the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and probably the ColecoVision. Um, and I have a ton of games for the the for all those systems, but I have the Harmony cartridge for the Twenty Six Hundred, um, which lets me play pretty much anything on the original hardware. And then I have a um, EverDrive for the NES, so I can play. All that stuff, and I have an FPGA NES with um, FPGA NES uh, as well, which I've shown on the show before, and I can plug that into any HDMI source and play Nintendo games as well. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I loved ColecoVision, but I didn't have it. My buddy up the street, or my a friend, uh, my my brother's friend had one, and so we would go up to his house and play 
for just hours. And I played Donkey Kong Jr. on that thing over and over again. So good. I think it was actually better than the arcade in some ways. <laughs> I actually played Donkey Kong Jr. for the very first time on the ColecoVision. I'd never even seen the game in the arcade. Yeah, yeah, me too. That was the first time I played it was on the ColecoVision. Uh, so, but and, and a lot of those arcade ports, those were uh, my first experience where it was on the consoles because we didn't go to the arcades all the time. And I'll, while I love the arcades, you know, my, my favorite memories of the arcades are the early 80s, but those are with my family. And then later years in the arcades was me and my buddies just hanging out being hoodlums. And that wasn't until like the mid to late 80s, you know. So there's that. Mm. Favorite mm. Ar- Do you have a favorite arcade port? Like does DK Jr. ring, you know? It rings true, but favorite arcade port. Think about that. Like the Donkey really, Kongs were done yeah. really well on Nintendo. Obviously. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I was annoyed that no Mud Factory. Yeah, yeah. I almost bought an Atom because it had the Mud Factory. Yes, that does. But you have to load it off disc. What's Mud Factory? The, the Pie Factory. Oh, Pie Factory. Well, it's 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 actually a cement factory or something, but everyone calls it the Pie Factory because they look like little pies going by. So. Yeah, that one level. Yeah. Oh, and Donkey Kong. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, oh, okay. I thought that was a game you were talking about. No, no, yeah. Now the Atari was pretty uh, horrendous copy, but Atari did, uh, and this is what kind of brought Atari back into the. So Atari was released in 1977, right? The VCS, um, but in 1980, I think is when Asteroids hit, and I think that was the first big game for Atari, like really big, like it was already selling well. But when they came out with Asteroids, I think they sold a lot more consoles. So we couldn't. I couldn't afford to play all the arcade games. All in fact, that's why I like pinball so much more because I could play it a little bit longer than a video game. Sure. Yeah. 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 Just I would sitting say at home in in the dark basement, maybe with air conditioning all day, all summer, and then going outside and rubbing your eyes and going, "What is this?" <laughs> By the way, Mark, for the ColecoVision, there is a port of Mario Brothers um, that was made by a homebrew guy. Collector Vision, um, and that he made that probably ten years ago now, and it's check that out. it's almost That's arcade good. perfect. It's unbelievable. It has the cutscenes in between that shows you what you need to do with each enemy. No way. Yep, it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- th- there was a cartridge release for it with a limited edition set of ColecoVision controllers that uh, are red and green. In fact, I have them right over here. I'll show you. You own them. See what Adam's got in his treasure chest. Oh wow! So this came with a a box uh, from put out by ColecoVision. Uh, uh, I think maybe Yerky did this. I can't remember, but these are Mario Control set. They have a. It's a little plastic window, and on the back there's a graphic of the game. Oh, cool! And that was the to, this, these were designed to go along with the red cartridge that Collector Vision put out. Um, and then Yurki does these incredible rebuilds. He, that's his uh, handle on the Atari Age forums, and um, so you got these dyed controllers. So that's oh, green cool. dye with. Uh, 
with the retractable uh, number oh, set. So, and those are the player one, player two, and then uh, the credit button is in the middle. So, ba-ching, ba-ching. Uh, and then the, this is made to look like the coin in the game. Right. Um, he kept the controllers, this, the original, but uh, one of the signature moves by Yerky is that he straightens the cord, so you have a lot more play, playing power. Was it, uh, were they curled? I don't recall. Yeah, they were coily. And then the other thing he does is um, you can get a ball top for that so that you can oh. – so it's easier to than this disc. So is that whole – Is it, did you say that it was dyed? But yeah. The, that's a, that's this the original is a, controller? The original controller. It's been dyed. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so it's got – it's a it's, – I think it's basically like a Krylon dip, you know? Right. It's It's basically a version of spray paint that adheres to the plastic. Right, right. Looks so, good. Yeah, they look great. And the and here's the here's the red one. Oh, totally worth it. Yeah. So these are pretty rare. You'll find them. They'll probably go for a couple hundred bucks. I have I had a Smurf one that I sold for a hundred and fifty or something on eBay. Blue. Yep. And it it was it went along with a Smurf game that was so Smurf was for the actually. Smurf is one of my favorite games for the ColecoVision, and here's why. It is absolutely horrible. The hitbox for that Smurf is so tight that if you hit a blade of, a blade of grass, you, you die. Die, yeah. Like, oh, this grass killed me. I just died, you know. So, But it's so hilarious that the replay value of that game is is stunning. It's It's actually fun to play because it's so funny. Uh, and the graphics are actually quite good. You get to the end, you get to see Gargamel and save Smurfette and all that stuff. But right. um, someone decided that that wasn't a very good game, so they made a new Smurf game with four levels. And there's like a, you know, like a river raid one where you go down like on inner tubes and you got to dodge stuff. I mean, it's it's really well done, and there's real good, you know, music and everything. Smurf tubing. Yeah, yeah. Smurf stupid. Stupid. Captain stupid. No way. No. Yeah. So anyway, uh, lots, lots. I used to be really, really heavy into uh, collecting all that uh, homebrew stuff, and so I have a bunch of it. But I've gotten rid of a bunch too, because how many hobbies can you have? Four. I have a lot. Oh. And lately, it's RC cars and. Oh wow, RC cars. Yeah. Let's start a podcast. Yeah, exactly. It'll be a short podcast. Why I, I don't. Your new cars. Uh, well, I've started with wanting me wanting to get my 1985 Nico RC car, and now I have two. It's, it's, uh, two is a collection, right? You start with one, and then is, or once it, yeah, one. once you have more than one, it's a collection. Yeah. So, and if it's over 50 years old, it's a it's a classic. Uh, yeah, classic. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, I think we're gonna run the Battle Zone two. Let me put it in the link here for people to see. It's actually pretty darn cool. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight. But uh, Chatters, thanks for sticking with us, and it has been fun. I think we have some ideas for uh, future shows, and uh, we're going to have a, a K-Fan section on every single episode from now on. I think, isn't that right? Good. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be laying in bed tonight wondering... You know, what else is fake on Fox News? <laughs> <laughs>
the yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, and why why didn't they use this technology for Trump's inauguration? No offense, but uh, they did. <laughs> <don't tell> <laughs> there was only, there was like ten people there, and they added at least a hundred. <laughs> Okay, is, guys, does Billy have the show notes? Is Billy going to read our show notes at the end? I oh. can do that if you can repost the link so it's a, a, a hyperlink. Because I, I guess I'm posting as Brian here, and it's not a... Oh, he doesn't have access. Uh, are you logged in as Brian on his Google? Yeah, I guess so. But oh. I do have uh, the show notes here. Oh, you do? Well, just go On the bottom, there's a there's a tab. It's called Trailer Outro. Yep. Right. Just read the parts that say Billy. All right. All right, here we go. This will be fun. Go. We're training right. you in. You're going to be like a regular now. <laughs> oh, this was fun. So that's going to be it for the show. Thanks for listening in on the Double R's. That's Arcade Radio. Hey, don't forget to check out our old school gamer magazine. I didn't mean ours, but it's like all of ours. Yeah. You can pick up a sub over at https colon slash slash www.oldschoolgamermagazine.com slash woo <laughs> check out our website arcaderadio.com that's r c a d e r a i d o dot com for all of Close our enough. social media and swag links <laughs> uh, you can call and leave comments on the game line 612548game 4263 are you enjoying the show? Pick up some Arcade Radio swag over at teespring.com slash arcade radio or consider supporting our Patreon campaign over at patreon.com slash arcade radio.com. That's arcade with an R. There are multiple tiers starting at just $3 a month. Any bit helps us with the costs of running the show. <laughs> Subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the notification bell so you'll know when drinkers are streaming live. <laughs> I read it the way you put it. That's hilarious because it was a find and replace from like two weeks ago. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you if you like what if this is this is you, Mark. Oh crap! <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, consider dropping a five star review on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume our podcast, which is currently only two episodes behind. Uh, so close. So, so close. close. So close. So that'd be it for the show from Arcade Radio. We hope you had a great time, and we'll see you next episode. (laughs) Give us a, give us a siren. We need a siren. Wait a minute now. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I didn't hear that. Suspect just ran a red light. Again? Suspect just ran a red light. This is fall of 1975. Did you know that Chuck E. Cheese was born inside Atari?
It's not Coyote Pizza. It's Rick Rat's Pizza. My marketing guy said, no way. He said, this is a restaurant. You, you, you don't get health permits if you have rats. <laughs> true story. One of the things that's really fun with games is the whole idea of, of the playful mind and how can we make games to surprise you. There are so many creative and wonderful things going on right now that are constantly surprising me, you know, making me joyful.